It is my circus and they are my monkeys. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I have to make a quilt. I don't know how to make a quilt. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Do you hate puppies? A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. What's next? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're talking about your most useful advice. Most Not just useful parenting advice, right? advice. No, we life were like, advice. listen, guys, we've had a lot of parenting advice. Now we just want to go to world's most useful advice in a series of different categories. In the whole world. In the whole world, this is the most <laughs> useful advice you're ever going to hear. So just we've traveled the globe sit to down. bring you. Yes. And I started this off with the question of my useful advice that just came to mind when I was asking the question was I had an ex-boyfriend and I was fretting as like a 20 something in the way that 20 somethings do about having been at a party. And then we left the party and I was like, I was talking too much and I shouldn't have had that other drink because I got really chatty. And now everyone thinks I'm an idiot and they think I was dominating the conversation, blah, 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 blah. And he literally put his hand on my shoulder and he said to me, your whole life would change if you could realize how rarely anyone else ever thought about you. They're too busy thinking about all the stupid things they did. Like no one is obsessing about you and it really changed my life. What amazes me, and I think that's great advice, is how those moments happen. Like that guy, whoever he is, I'm sure would not remember having that conversation or telling you that, let alone comprehend that he had, you know, changed the direction of your life with these words. Like the aha moments that we receive, people don't even understand necessarily that they're giving them to us, but they do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's just whatever the things that like, when you need to hear them, you hear them. That's like the scales fall from your eyes. You just fall from the horse on Damascus. You're like, oh my God, everything's different from now on. And this makes me think, this makes me think of my own, my own like life advice at this sort of moment in my life, a similar moment. Like it's the, the, what you just said about the, the you, you hear what you need to hear at that moment in your life. Like yes. that's, that's what it is. So can I give you my 20 something overthinking life advice received? Yes. All right. So I was an intern at a theater and I was trying to decide, this was my first year out of college. And then for the next year out of college, I was trying to decide, was I going to do like a bus and truck tour of Romeo and Juliet and spend a year like traveling around? Or was I going to go to New York and step off the bus to seek my fame and fortune and kind of get started in the big city? And this, and I was back and forth and back and forth, just like you were saying, and this, you know, wizened actor who had seen a million things and done a million shows was like, kid, you just make your decision and then make that decision the right decision to have made. And that's, yeah. that was my like lightning, like what? You just pick one and then make sure it was right. Oh. And I, I've, I think about that like once a week for the rest of my life, I've been guided by that. And that guy definitely does not remember telling me that. So we've opened up two categories here, and I think that we have so much advice. We went to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast, and solicited all of this advice. And we have so much advice, but I think we got to stay in categories, and I'm going to explore the two categories that we've just opened up. Okay. I opened up the category of worrying what people think about you, and you opened up the category of making choices. Those are good. Yeah. So let's start with advice all about what other people think of you. Okay. Lauren says, 
her greatest advice is what other people think of you is none of your business. So incredibly free. Lauren is a really free, funny person that like, I want to be more like, so I'm going to take this advice to heart. She's right. This is like, don't read the comments in real life. Don't read the comments. Like, and I think maybe more often this is something that women struggle with. I don't often see my husband being like, I'm worried that what someone else thinks of me. Like, I think he's pretty free of this thing. And I look at him and I'm like, huh, how can I head transplant that into myself? Because I do feel like all time spent about worrying what other people think of you is kind of wasted time. Emily says in the same theme, her advice is not everyone is going to like you. And she quotes Dita Von Teese. I don't know if everyone knows who that is, but she's like a burlesque, like beautiful burlesque show woman. And her quote is, you could be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world, and there's still going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. That's interesting to me because Adita Von Teese is like, she spends a lot of time trying to be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world. Like she is somebody who clearly like spends two hours putting her makeup on every day, but is still saying you have to let go of not being all things to all people. Yeah. And there's always going to be people who are like, oh, she's not, I don't, she's ugly. You know, I mean, there's always going to be somebody who's got that dopey opinion. And it's really just your choice about how much real estate you let people like that take up for you and worrying about like what other people say. And it's hard. You're never going to get to the point where you're like, you overhear someone being like, I don't think she's a good mom and be like, I don't care what they think. Peaches aren't for everyone. Like you're never really going to get to the station, but these are good things to keep in mind. I, I really carry this around. Like just yesterday, I was at my kid's basketball game and I made eye contact with somebody that I know. And she just like looked right through me in, in this way that I was like, have I done something to offend? Like I was completely taken by it for about 20 minutes thinking like, what have I done? I'm like, I haven't done anything and maybe she just doesn't like me, but I know I haven't like it just I, but I had to have this whole like conversation with myself about that for like eye contact that was improperly made at my kid's basketball game yesterday. Like I really do. It still yeah. bothers this me. Like I still have to talk myself heel. through this. Yeah. 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 Like that person and doesn't like me. No, she doesn't. I guess not. Greta brings in advice. You never know when it's the worst day of someone else's life. And this ties in here too. Like you don't know that that woman just got really bad news and like just happened to see you and is not thinking about you, you know? Yes. It was I've had right. that experience with other people where someone will say like, oh, you had such, you have such a mean face that day. You know, like I could tell you didn't like me. And I'm like, I literally have no, no idea what you're talking about. I'm sure I was thinking like, did I leave my keys in the car? Again, like I was not thinking I don't like you and here's my whole agenda towards you. Do you have bitchy resting face? I don't think I do, but I, I do, do have like whirling dervish problem where often like <laughs> I'll run into people and I'm like, did I leave that candle lit near that curtain at home? Like I'm constantly thinking about all the things that I might have done wrong. And so I often don't engage with people because I'm too busy going through the list of like crazy things that I might have done wrong. And so I think sometimes people think that I have attitude, but I'm like, no, I'm just doing my grocery list. Sorry. You're following your narrative. I have like the opposite of bitchy resting face. I have like rubber reactor face and I think it makes, so everything I think is written on my face. And my husband always tells me that like, you don't, you, you can always tell exactly what you're thinking. No poker but sometimes, face. Yeah. I do not have a poker face. And I might be like, if I'm watching a show, then I'm wearing the expression of the actors on the screen. Like, and so I think that sometimes, yes, I have probably 
made people think like, oh, she's awful or she hates me. And I'm and I'm like thinking about a sad movie I saw yesterday. Like I, I have the I wear too many emotions on my face, even if they're not ones I'm actually currently having. So it's a problem for me. Yeah. And I think one solution is to stop caring what other people think in terms of like, don't obsess about it. It's not interesting. Like whatever weird moment happened at the basketball game, just let that go. Not interesting anymore. Like mm -hmm. you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Another thing is like, I have had experiences where like, I've been talking to a group of moms and another mom walked up and we stopped talking and I'm like, oh my God, she thinks we were talking about her and it's so awkward, but it just naturally happened that we stopped talking, but then it feels like something goes wrong. I have tried to challenge myself as a mom to go and be like, hey, I feel like there might have been a weird moment. Here's what really happened. Or I feel like there might have been some hurt feelings because I only let my kid have four people to his birthday party and your kid wasn't one of them. And like, if you heard about that, I just want to explain the process and, and explain what happened. I have tried rather than lay in bed at three o'clock and obsess about how this person thinks I'm a horrible person because I didn't invite her kid to something to say like, hey, do you want to talk about this? And 98% of the time people are like, what are you talking about, crazy? And I'm like, oh, okay, no issue. Let's move on, you know? But rather than torturing myself about, oh my God, is there bad blood here that I'm, I'm sure this person hates me and has a voodoo doll of me to try to attack it. I guess if you can't move beyond it, have a difficult conversation and uh, it's usually not that difficult. And before we move on, I want to go to Jenny's comment, which really gave me a smile in my day about other people's expectations. There are worse things you can be in life than fat. <laughs> and I want to point you to our episode number 49, which is called Let's Not Care What We Weigh. And this is something that I have come to. This is somewhere where like oldie locks alert. Back in my day. It is actually good that we're older because I have come through some of these things and I can tell you what it's like from the other side. You will regret every moment in your life you spent thinking about your weight. It is not an interesting topic. It does not matter what you weigh. No one else is thinking about it as much as you are. Let it go. Yeah. And you don't judge your friends. I'm like, oh, I really did love her more when she was 135 than she is now that she's 145. Like you don't look at your friends as being more or less worthy or wonderful whether they're a size four or size six, you don't even notice. So why do you put this sort of guilt on yourself? I agree completely. Question. And I have a call to action, Amy. Okay. I would like in this category to ask all of us to stop greeting each other by making comments about how we look. Yeah. You look good. Have you lost weight? You look great. Oh, you look great. You look tired. I just think we can just greet each other by being like, hey, it's great to see you. You know, that's another thing that I don't think men do. I think that's tied into men spending less time worrying, what do, what do they think? And what are they wondering about how I think? And, and I don't think men greet each other with, you look thin, you look handsome. They, they don't. No, they don't. Oh, you lost a little more hair. You didn't. You're fatter. You're thinner. Just, I think, and this is the double-edged sword. Like we constantly greet each other. Hey, have you, my weight fluctuates by about 20 pounds all the time. Like sometimes I'm exercising a lot. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I have a big stomach roll. Sometimes I look pretty fit. It's just, that's how my weight goes. That's my life. Sometimes I'm just like having a bad time. I want to eat a lot. Sometimes I'm like, I'm really into running. I'm going to run five miles a day. And so I tend to have this like greeting pattern with people where they're like, you look good. Did you lose weight? Did you not lose weight? I'm like, maybe let's just stop that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's let's join that call to action, guys. But basically, stop. We don't care what other people are thinking about us. It's not our business. It's not our burden to carry. We're not going to think a lot about what weird interaction happened that made everyone hate us, and we're not going to care what we weigh. Okay. I mean, <laughs> perfect lives, right? Not to do it. Yeah. Not to do those things. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to solve this category of life advice. We're going to take that forward with us. I liked what Anne said. Anne is a friend of mine, and she said her words to live by are that both things can be true. And I think this is kind of related to this, that there doesn't have to be, every argument doesn't have to have a winner. Every thing that has two points of view can continue to have two points of view. You don't have to come to the right and wrong. There can be two rights. Yeah, there can be a middle. And the, my sister-in-law says all the time, the good news and the bad news is the same news, which I think is kind of related. Like, information is not so binary as we make it. And I think especially nowadays, like just with social media and the political climate and everything, there just tends to be this thing of like, you are on this side or on that side. I used to live in California and they would do these props where you had to vote on things like that would change the government basically. And we used to always laugh because the ad campaigns for them were always like prop 92 do you hate puppies? <laughs> you know, and then it would be like, the, you'd see another ad and they'd be like, Prop 92, if you vote for this, a seal gets clubbed. Like, and you'd be like, wait, what? Like, how can these be the two choices? Like, it, 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 they would try to make things so binary and there's a lot, you agree on so much more than you disagree on. That's bottom line. This is one of my favorite Stephen Sondheim lyrics. He says, is it always or is it never and? And that's what that's what this is. Like, it doesn't have to be, there's too much or in our lives and we can allow room for more. Not enough and. Yeah. All right. But I want to circle back to your advice, which is about how to make choices. Oh, okay. Because we got a ton of feedback on how to make choices. And I thought there was a lot of really interesting stuff. This one is a recent addition. This is a recent aha moment for me, and I've been using mm -hmm. it, and it's good. Susie Welch, who's a business writer for Bloomberg and O Magazine, she has a book called 10, 10, 10. And to break down into the most basic terms, what she says in this book is if you have to make a difficult decision, you have to address it from three different time frames. How am I going to feel about this thing 10 minutes from now, 10 months from now, and 10 years from now? And if you frame your difficult decision, should I move to New York? Should I take this job? Should I sign up for the marathon? As to how you're going to feel about it 10 minutes from now, 10 months, and 10 years, that it immediately makes your decisions so much easier to make. That's great advice. It's really good. And I think a lot of what makes choices difficult, like the other side of the choice is where peace is. Like basically for me, I have a lot of trouble making choices. And even my husband and I were dating. We'd met under very unusual circumstances. We'd been involved, basically, we had just met and been involved. This is a story for another day, but we'd been involved in an accident. So we didn't know each other very well. And then we went into this like very intense situation where I was caring for him. He was possibly not surviving in a hospital. If you've seen The Big Sick, that was basically our relationship. And so I had a lot of kind of doubts about like, is this relationship fundamentally sound or are we just caught up in this weird thing where like we had this big trauma and I was also 36 and wanted to have kids and kind of felt like am I rushing into it and is this really the right choice 
And we talked a lot about getting engaged. And I was like, I just am not sure whether all of this is right. And basically he got down on one knee. He proposed to me. I said, yes. And I never had another doubt about it again. Like making a choice is so freeing and like using good parameters to try to make the right choice is great. But like making choices is a great thing. Rita Mae Brown says there is a peacefulness that follows any decision, even the wrong one. So <laughs> oh, Rita Mae Brown and I are yeah. totally mentally simpatico. Yeah. Well, listen, we got a ton of advice about making choices, and we're going to come back with that right after the break. Beachbody On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime. I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say, fun and highly intense. But Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge range of classes. And some of the classes get you results fast. By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your computer, tablet, phone, smart TV, anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Health podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text laughing to 303030. You will get free full access to the entire Beachbody On Demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting LAUGHING to 303030. Check it out. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but... I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have Bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snugly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no toe seam. <laughs> and there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently so it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy and I don't care what people say. I love Bombas. I want you to work on expressing about the toe seam, Amy. That's an assignment for <laughs> okay. you. These socks do more than keep your feet cozy though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of three thousand giving partners. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash laughing for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash laughing. Amy, we're back and we're talking about choices and I'm going to start off with Nancy who just really lays it down with you make your choices, but your choices make you. Ooh, this is a tough one for me because it starts to make that choice feel like so, imp- like, uh-oh, are you going to move to New York? Right. You're going to make your life with this choice instead of instead of just make the decision. And how are you going to feel about it 10 years from now? Probably pretty good to just do it. I feel like this would make me- It's too stressful uh, for you. I don't think it's wrong, but it makes it less easy to make choices thinking my choices will make me. Yeah. All right. So let's go to Emily who talks about getting a job. She's applying for jobs and basically she gets another job offer and she couldn't figure out like, should I be going with the second offer or the first offer? And her dad gave her the advice, you've got a job, you wanted it, so take it. And that also is like, life is 
a series of endless choices. And I mean, it's kind of the grass is always greener stuff, but basically like live in the choice you made. This is what your story is all about. Like, should you go to graduate school or should you go try to get a job as an actress? They're equal choices. Both of them are right, but you just have to make the choice you actually made the right one. Because if you spend your whole time trying to get a job and being like, maybe it would have been easier in graduate school, you're just going crazy. And every option does not have to be better than the thing you're currently in just because it's different, right? Like the alternative does not always have to be considered more than the perfectly good thing that you have, I think is what she's saying. Her father was like, stop worrying about everything that could be better about the second job. You have a job. It's a good job. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I think that's right. Like being in the place you are, grow where you're planted kind of, but like being in that place you are and making it right is the way it actually works. It doesn't work like our brain sometimes tricks us. Like there's four doors and if you pick the right door, you're happy. And if you pick the other doors, you're yes. a loser. Like that's not actually the way it works. How will I know if I've picked the right door? Like that's not the right question to be asking yourself. Right. You will know you picked the right door when you make it right. the right door. All the doors are right. You just have to go through one and make it correct for you. That being said, I like Helen's advice that she says when you have to choose between two hard choices or four doors, right? Whatever it's going to be, make the choice that creates more opportunities for you. So this one would be like, yeah. should I move to New York? Like, yeah, that was going to create more opportunities for me than getting on a bus and truck tour for a year. That was one opportunity. New York was unknown numbers of opportunities. So that was the right choice per Helen's axiom. Right. I keep saying that your choices are graduate school or move to New York, but it was it tour was or bus or truck yes. tour of the United States. Bus or truck super tour glamorous or move to, or New, move to New, York. New York. Also super glamorous. I lived in my friend's, like a mattress in my friend's living room floor for like six weeks. I had a friend who gave me the advice a long time ago. You always choose action over inaction in a choice. I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent right, but I do think of it sometimes. Like, should we go skiing or stay home? I feel like if you're really 50-50, go skiing. Like, that's the same advice. Like, something that creates more opportunity, that's the writer choice. My husband and I always call that making memories. Like, uh, should we, you know, should we go apple picking today or should we just, like, all stay home and let the kids, like, watch TV and do homework? And he'll be like, making memories. Like, yeah, you have to do, you have to do the one that involves more action, that involves getting in the car, the, the day that you'll remember for some reason instead of the day that is like every other. Erica sums this up why the advice, would you rather regret something you did or something you didn't do? I mean- Ooh, I don't know. Let me think about that. Well, you would rather be like apple picking was a bust than sit on the couch and be like apple picking might've been fun. Right. It's the same basic advice. It's action over inaction. Right. right. And as you, that, that's your life advice about always go to the wedding, always go to the funeral. There's never been one of those I've attended that I've been sorry about. There have been times I'm like, oh, I really should have gotten in the car that day. Yeah, that's advice someone gave me a long time ago. And guys, it's really good advice. You will regret not going to someone's funeral or wedding. When my mom passed away and looking out of the crowd and like just seeing random people who, I, some of whom I wasn't even super close to, the fact that they showed up, like it meant so much to me. Don't ever think to yourself, I don't think I know that person well enough. Maybe it's weird for me to go. Go. Yeah. And if you're invited to a wedding, go to the wedding. Yeah. See, now I'm feeling bad. Now I'm going through them all in my head. Sorry, everybody, for the weddings and funerals I didn't Yeah. Well, go forward <laughs> doing it. I mean, and this is a total tangential thing, but I'm going to bring it up because I'm thinking about funerals now. When you know someone who is in a bad situation, when you make a call, 
Do not say to them, what can I do to help? Call them and say, this is my offer. I would like to bring you dinner on Tuesday. I would like to take your kids out to the park on Saturday. I would like to, do you need someone to take your kids home from the funeral so you can go to the burial without having your kids around? Think of an offer and make that offer. Don't say, what can I do to help? And it gives you a reason, something to say, and right, because that, that call is always hard to make. And what do you say? And how does it go? You make the call and then you have, that's that's how you open. That's your opener. Yeah. Anna, on the topic of choices, says, follow the peace. If you have a choice to make, choose the one that brings more peace. So this is kind of contradictory to our Apple picking <laughs> advice, because like sitting at home definitely causes more peace. But I mean, it's hard to give overarching advice because, yes, I think in the long term, like, should we go, there's a great job opportunity. I mean, my husband and I have had this come up with like, well, there's a great job opportunity, but it's far from family and it's far from that. I'm always like, that's my follow the peace moment where I'm like, I would rather be poorer and around family and friends and in a beautiful community that we already know we like than move to Arizona and make more money. Like, I, that's follow the peace to me. I like that. So different strokes for different <laughs> situations. Beth says, trust your intuition. Well, that's an oldie, but a goodie. Yes and no. I mean, I find that that advice is less useful to me as I get older and more anxious and paranoid. That's right. Because then you're like, I don't know what my intuition, I don't know if I have intuition. I don't know which door is the right door. Somebody should just tell me. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes that gets into like a weird su superstition place for me that isn't helpful. But we'll finish off with Donna, who is my cousin. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And this is our doors again, you know? And this is the thing. Don't sweat the choices that much because the reality is you make the choice right. This is Life doesn't happen This is very you. Buddhist that, that there's a – they talk about like life is going to have suffering. Life is going to have some things that aren't going the way you would want them to go. And, and like that's by design, right? And that – how you react in those moments, that's what causes the pain, that that's the gap yeah. between how things are and how you wish they would be, that you spend this pain yearning trying to close the gap instead of accepting where you are. I mean, that's easy for me to say as somebody who's not in an incredibly stressful situation right now, but I think that is true, that your reaction to things or you worrying about bad things that might happen, that's even more important to get rid of worrying about what if this didn't go well and what if I moved to Arizona and I didn't know anybody like that's that's a lot of useless emotional baggage that you're expending on hypotheticals yeah and these are the things that like these are the resets that we have to always do because you're always going to be doing this but like reset 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 I'm thinking too much about my weight reset this doesn't matter I'm going to stop doing it you know, and just all of these things are they're not like okay start today and look happiness it's start reset today and then keep coming back to one and doing it again and again. So I think now we've made our choice. Now we're going to move to advice that helps us live in that choice. Oh, okay. I have a good one from Jennifer. Don't wish your days away. If you work nine to five and have days that are slammed with tasks, don't wish them away and wait for the weekend. I found this a lot when I had little kids. I, I felt like I wished some of the time away, you know, oh my God, I can't wait till she's out of diapers. I can't wait till she goes to full diet kindergarten. I can't wait till I don't have these three in diapers. Like you're going to have that feeling sometimes, but I actually wrote and stuck on my door at some point when I was really struggling with this. The beautiful boy, the John Lennon song has the great line, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other mm -hmm. plans. And like, 
I feel like that is such a cornerstone of life. Like, oh my God, I'll be happy when I have the kids out of diapers. Oh, I'll be happy when I can get back to working. I'll be happy when I blah, 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 blah. And I teach and I teach with a guy who oftentimes in class, someone will be saying, well, what I want to do when I get good at this is teach it to other people and share with other people the skills that I've learned. Da, 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 da. And he always says to people, and it always resonates with me, you're already doing it. You're already showing the other people in the class, like how you've learned and grown and done it. Like there is no, when I get to the magic imaginary door, I'm going to start living this life I want to live. Every day you have to be like, you're already doing it. This is your real life. I need to hear this as like a super productive person that's always trying to get more done. My daughter has the flu and she's been home from school now. This is her fifth day at home. I'm, you know, kind of stuck in the house with her. I mean, other than like going to the drugstore to get more Puffs Plus, I'm kind of in the house with her. And it's sort of like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing stuff. I'm supposed to be, oh, I'm supposed to be working on this. And I'm not really because I either am working on something and feeling guilty I'm neglecting her or I'm just with her and neglecting my to-do list. And I have to try to remember on days like today that like today, this is my job today, right? My job today, right. I'm already doing it, as you said. I'm making the world a better place today by hanging out with my kid and watching some, you know, silly HGTV show with her and giving her some tea with honey. That is my job today. I don't have to worry about the hundred things. They will be there next week when she goes back to school. My Aunt Terry, who we had as a guest on the podcast, has a hilarious version of this advice, which is when people are like, you know, I just really want to move to Maine. I think I could find a cabin, a fishing village. I just really, I, I think we're going to go to Florida at some point and we're going to start this whole other life when we're in Florida. And her advice whenever she hears people talking this way is, the problem is wherever you go, your head goes with you. <laughs> and it's like, your problems are your problems. There's no space. There's no place. There's no job. There's no lottery ticket. There is nothing that is the other place where your problems don't exist, where you don't exist, where everything that is going on with you, there is no other place. Your head's going to go with you to Florida and you're going to be the same person when you get there. Like wherever that mystical place is that you think like, I mean, I felt this way a little bit about like, oh, well, when I'm married, I'll be a normal person. And when I have kids, I'll be a functional person. It's like, oh, guess what? I'm still my same messy <laughs> self. I just have a husband and a kid now. Like my head came with me. And I love that advice. It's like very, it's funny, but it's very simple. We've covered a lot, Amy, but there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah, oh, I see a good one. I want to I wanna talk about when we get back. You got one primed I when do. we get back? All right, sounds good. Sure, useful advice is great, but so is knowing what makes non-useful advice so terrible. And now, famous advice disputed from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Gently burp your baby after every meal and use a burp cloth to catch any spit up. Listen, don't get attached to any clothing you own if you have kids under five. Seriously, that is the path to heartache. Giving your teen clear choices helps avoid frustrated interactions and leads to a house without conflict. <laughs> That's a good one. More typically, giving a teen choices leads to them feverishly hating a wide range of choices. Take time for yourself. Okay, I'm going to help you out here. You will be telling a kid where the snacks are while you're peeing for several years. It might be better to just accept that early. Let your toddler discover their own interests. 
There is like a 98% chance their interest is going to be drawing on your living room walls with a Sharpie. Don't do this. Let your teen follow their passion. There's like a 98% chance their passion is going to be playing Fortnite for six hours at a time. Force them to take piano lessons. Enjoy every moment. It goes by too fast. Oh, oh, this is so true. I mean, the toddler just threw up in the minivan and my six-year-old screaming about the horrible smell, all while shrieking covers of pop tunes sung by preteens blare from the radio. How I wish this could go on forever. How I will miss the magic of this moment. This has been Famous Advice Disputed from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, what do you got? We're back, and you found a gem here. Alicia, when you're talking, this this is moving. It's kind of about relationships, but it's also kind of about like living your own life instead of somebody else's. Alicia says, never allow someone to be your priority while allowing yourself to be their option. Alicia, where were you in like 1996? That's what I want to know because... Right. When I was dating a series of Irish bartenders, this would have been right. really good advice for me. This is like the advice. My aunt has a hilarious sign in her house that says, not my circus, not my monkeys. And it's just beautifully done. It's like an art print. And I, I, whenever I see it, I'm like, the problem is it is my circus and they are right. my monkeys. Like, I mean, this is the kind of advice that like is very good when you have options about the people who are in your life. But when you're married with children, it, it's like, yeah, my kids, I'm, they're my priority and I'm their option. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't really work. This when is you're good. Yeah, tell kids. your kids' sisters that. Uh, <laughs> but yes, tell the women friends in your life this is go, go, go to advice. How about Anna's mom's advice? This is a good one. Don't do something once that you don't want to do forever. Anna's mom milked a cow once and she had, then she had to milk that cow for another 30 years. And she says, like, this is like volunteering at the school. Like, I have a lot of trouble when someone presents a problem. I have a lot of trouble not being the solution. You know, someone will say like, our house is drafty. Come live with me for a month. Like it, it comes right out of my mouth. Like I have a lot of trouble not always trying to be the solution to other people's problems. But I have really tried to cut back to that. Like someone says like, oh my gosh, we really need more people on the nutrition committee at school. I'm like, that sounds like a dilemma. But I've had to train myself because I, I have too much going on to be on the nutrition committee, but like I cannot solve every problem that I hear about by getting myself involved. And I had a workmate once. <laughs> I started this job. I was right out of college and I was definitely raised, you know, I mean, I'm not so much as you, Amy, but like I definitely have a little bit of that like doobie, like, look at me, I'm the best employee, you know? And I walked in and they were like, could you file these things? And I was like, yes, I can. And I started filing and filing and I filed everything in like 15 minutes. And I was like, what's next? And this older kind of like grizzled person who worked at the office was like, listen, kid, you need to learn that the only reward for hard work is more work. <laughs> and, you know, it's not life advice you want to take into every aspect of your life, but there are times where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get this done. It's just going to leave you 10 more things to do. Like you don't have to drive yourself crazy. 
Right. And you don't have to jump every time somebody tells you to. And I'm dealing, I'm dealing with that in a professional situation right now where people are like hitting me things to do. Well, you already did these eight things. So here's eight more. Right. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm doing these eight things. So some other people in this committee are going to take on some of these. Yeah. That's other things. never going to happen. We have an expression in an organization that I work with doers do. And yeah. like in any organization, if there's 14 people, you'll be like, here are the three doers. And everyone else is just kind of hanging and the doers are going to do. It's the 80-20 rule, right? Like 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Yep. And you're I'll, not- I'll do 80. I don't want to do 90. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get out of that. I want to explore one last theme. We're going to have to do a separate episode because we have too many great things here. But one other theme that I found really emerged was getting stuff done. Okay. Accomplishing tasks. And Alexandra started it, us off and said, you know, it's very simple, but the only way to get something done is to do it. And this seems like, duh, kind of advice. But Ashley responded and she said, I'm a personal organizer and I tell people all the time, the hardest part is just starting. And this is another thing that I feel like has been a revelation of my life. Like worrying about doing it, it's like the choices thing. Worrying about a choice, the other side of any choice is peace. Worrying about starting, the other side of it is getting it done. Like nothing to it but to do it. Like the things that hang over your head become huger and bigger. And my husband and I have a situation that we were in where there was sort of a problem within the family and it was becoming bigger and bigger. And it, it seemed like so nightmarish. And at some point we made a plan, my husband and I, and we woke up at like six o'clock in the morning and we're like, we're going to tackle this thing all day. And we finished it in 12 hours. And it's like, we spent a year worrying about it. And then we just went and did it. And I've said before, like I used to have dreams as a kid where like a bear was chasing me. And I finally realized if I turned around in my dream and looked at the bear, it would disappear and I would wake up. Like not doing things, the bear starts chasing you and it becomes bigger and scarier. And just doing it is freedom. I think for me, I always think of, for me, it's not so much a bear as a quilt. That's the metaphor that I like to work with. And that okay. when you like, I have to make a quilt. I don't know how to make a quilt. Like, um, Well, you don't know how to make a quilt, but you know today how to cut out this one piece of fabric that's going to go somewhere you don't even know yet. And then you're going to just sew it onto this, like just pick a corner and just work on that little corner today. Don't worry about the quilt. Don't worry about what it's going to look like when it's done just pick a corner. And I, I, I'm always trying to get my kids, perhaps quilts in 2019 are the wrong metaphor for my children. Maybe. Maybe go to butter churning as your next <laughs> metaphor, Amy. It's like when you're churning the butter and it's just a little bit. <laughs> you know, don't you? But like you take your, go in, go closer, go closer. Just do one thing. Your house is a mess. Okay. Start with the drawer the junk drawer. Just start with the junk drawer. And while the tea's in the microwave or whatever, like Pick one part of the of the junk drawer. Throw away twenty five books of matches, and now you only have three. Like just just do that, and and worry about that. I think smaller bites. I have often heard this advice expressed as, "How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time?" And that's the same idea. Like the task is too overwhelming. You just have to start. Take a bite. Yep. And eventually you'll get there. You know. And I think another part of this, which Justine captures, is. My father always used to say not to dwell on the woulda, coulda, shoulda of a situation. The past is the past, and we can't time travel to make changes. We have to deal with the things we can control. And I think this gets wrapped up in this idea of like, wait, 
how can I do this? Everything's messed up. Everything's ruined. There's no point in going forward. And again, like this is the kind of way my kids talk sometimes. And it's like, make a change and take a first step in that direction. And like, you will be walking away from the past. Like there's nothing to do except for figure out what the next step is and start moving in that direction. There's a writing advice about this. I forget who said, I think it was Elmore Leonard said that writing a book, I mean, a novel, like talk about a quilt. I wrote a novel over the last couple of years and I didn't know how to do it, but I learned how to do it while I was doing it. He said that writing is like driving at night in the rain. You can only see right in front of your windshield, but if you just keep at it, you'll make it home. And I think that that's what this is about. It's not being worried. Like, I'm driving at night. I can't see my house from here. No, you're 10 miles from your house. It's okay. You're just going to look right in front of your car and you're just going to keep moving just in the right direction. Julie had advice that I haven't really thought about before in this category, which I thought was really good. Deal with things only once, says her mom. If you pick something off the floor, don't put it on the counter to be found and put it in the proper place later. Put it where it belongs. If you're starting a chore, do it, get it done, wipe your hands to the job. This... Oh, this is the this is the bane of my husband's and my existence, which is like the laundry is not done when you put the giant pile of unfolded laundry on the living room table. Like that right. the laundry's not done. Like right. if you can just start a task and finish it, our life is pulled down constantly by the three-quarter done task. Or the dirty dishes. This is what gets me. Like dirty dishes in the sink is not an A minus. That's like a C. They go in the dishwasher and all you're right. doing is moving the dirty dishes from one place to another place so that I can finally in frustration put it all in the dishwasher. Like it doesn't it doesn't count finish finish the job. But we shouldn't worry so much about other people. We just talked about that. And so I have I have learned this. Gretchen Rubin says that if something takes less than a minute, then just do it. So in other words, like hang up your coat. It's going to take less than a minute to go hang it up instead of throw it on the chair. Or, you know, open the mail and put it in the bills to be paid file. Do it once and just do it in the moment instead of start to open the mail and then leave it on the counter for the next three days. That's that's how chaos can start to accrue around you. And Gretchen Rubin has the famous, famous advice that I have really taken to heart this year which is just make your bed, get up and make your bed. Then like the first thing of the day, you don't, it's just, you don't start the chaos of the morning with like, okay, now my room's a wreck. If you just make the bed, like you're done. It's an early win. And I, I don't, I'm not much of a bed maker. I got to say, but I get it. Like a little, a little win in your first five minutes. It's what works for you. Overarching problem in my life is chaos. Like my husband and I are both messy people. We're both whirling dervishes in different ways. And our house constantly feels in a constant state of chaos. And I have realized in the new year, I'm, I've really committed to keeping the house cleaner and more organized. And it gives me a true sense of calm. Like the chaos is bad for me. And I think an important part of this conversation is like Allison says, if you can be honest about where you are, you can get where you need to go. And I think this is another aspect of this that is really, really important. Like being honest with yourself, it's another part where like, like I said, like the bear or the quilt or it's all too overwhelming to even think about. Challenge yourself every day to be like, what's the truth? And this is the thing of like my husband and I have a habit where we don't make a budget because we don't want to sit and realize that... <laughs> 
we're spending too much money and we're in the red most months. And so like yesterday I came home, I stopped before CCD to get my kids some Dunkin' Donuts. I was like, I have to bribe them basically to go CCD. So I get them a Dunkin' Donut to go right before CCD. And I've gotten lazy. So then I buy like three donuts and like a donut, a muffin, and like they make these little cups of munchkins, whatever. And then I buy them a water and two Nesquik or whatever. Like bought, I buy it all there. And I paid yesterday and it was fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. I was like, that means we're spending sixty dollars to seventy-five dollars a month, depending on whether they go four or five times on CCD donuts. Like that's not a worthwhile expense yeah. in my life. Yeah. And so if I bought a box of donuts at the grocery store and sent them each with like a filled up bottle of water from home, that would save us $75 a month. Like, but the key to that is being able to look at my budget, which I am often not able to do because I'm like, it stresses me out to think about money. But if I don't think about money, I actually stress much more because I just feel the whirling tornado right behind my ear of like, you are going to go bankrupt and lose your home. Like, so know where you are. I will promise you that looking really hard at the problem is extremely scary, but often it's not as bad as you think it is. And you're doing one thing. Like, don't let the fear, the elephant-sized fear, prevent you from taking, like, one bite. Like, okay, if I'm if I'm going to spend $50 less at Dunkin' Donuts next month, that's a really good insight. And right there, you're saving 50 bucks a month. That's $600 you just figured out you're not going to spend in 2019. That's really good progress, and it's in one little corner. You just picked one corner. And that's, and then you just pick another corner or the next square or whatever, however you want to look at it. And that's how progress is going to be made. I mean, I do think, yes, at some point you have to envision the size of the thing that you're dealing with in all of its largeness, but then you just need to go, you need to go right back in micro and just, okay, like, but today I'm just going to do this. Okay, Amy, we have talked about a ton of advice and we are out of time, but I want to finish with a speed round of funny one-offs. Oh, Okay. We're going to leave you with just some really practical things. We're going to start with Danielle, my Italian friend who has an Italian grandmother who gave her the advice when buying canned tomatoes for sauce, only buy whole, never crushed. Crushed is the bottom of the barrel. Wow. Now that's good advice. You I can yeah. take that to the bank. I never knew that. I like Ruth. Ruth. Yeah. Let's, let's read Ruth. Ruth says, never make any important decisions after eight o'clock at night. Solid advice, guys. And I have a I have a macro version of this, which I've talked about before, but we're almost there. My giant advice, which I give to all of you, especially those of you who live in cold climates, never make a major life decision in February. It's cold, it's dark, and you're going insane. And you're going to start saying things like, we should open a coffee bar in Fiji. Do not do that. Any plan that you come up with in February is a crazy winter shack wacky plan do not commit to it shack wacky exactly this is this is a 12 step thing actually when you're in a 12 step program they say okay for the first year no major decisions like you can think about them but you may not make them for a full year and i think that this is this trickle down version of no february decisions is something uh, we can all we can all use and tell your partner about this because sometimes <laughs> i go to my husband and i'm like i think having kids was a mistake i think we should just get an rv and live in it and travel around and i don't want to worry about educating them anymore homework is too and he's like it's February. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm just going crazy. Oh, right. I am crazy. Share this with an outside person. 
I like what Aaron says. Aaron says, if you never lie, you don't have to remember anything. This is, yeah, that's, I'm always that's like old school. Great advice. When I, whenever I have to make a difficult, a difficult phone call, like, oh, I, I said I was going to be able to do this, but now I can't or something. I, and I'm like, oh, how should I spin it? And what should I say? I will, I always have to sort of slap myself and be like, tell the truth. The truth is fine. The truth is sufficient. And then you don't have to worry about this crazy story you're trying to, you know, spin to make it a worthy enough reason. Your, your truth is your reason. I'm working on this one. Kathleen says, if people are talking about the color of your napkins, your wedding sucked. <laughs> lots of ways to say that, lots of things, but like, don't get so into the details that you don't realize that like, people are not going to notice the streamers, decorating committee who I've worked with at PTA. People, it's not, it's the tiny details don't matter. Yeah, they matter much less. I feel like that takes us full circle back to the whole, like, you wouldn't worry about what other people think about you if you knew how little they did. Like, it's it's all the way back to live your life without worrying about what people are thinking about the color of your napkins. Yeah. So live your life. Go put that Rihanna song on, live your life, and just groove out for a little while, guys. <laughs> We barely scratched the surface of all the amazing advice. So we're definitely going to do a part two of this episode, but lots and lots of good, good takeaways. Not much for the website this week, Amy. No, no. But this all came from, I mean, you can always go to our website, which is wetfreshhellpodcast.com, but I will probably this week tell you, kick back to our Facebook page and group. That's where the action's at this week. So if you want to find those things, I've seen some people be like, oh, I, you always talk about the Facebook on the podcast and I could never find it. Just go to Facebook and search What Fresh Hell Podcast and you will see that we have a page where we post a lot of interesting stuff and we have a community where people talk to each other and you can join both of those and get in on the conversation. The group is so much fun. Like it's it's already like it's a buzzing party full of really fun people like talking to each other about stuff on the show and other stuff too. We love it. We're so excited that it's 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 already really working so well. Amy also put a link to the group on the website, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com if you're having any trouble finding it, but come join it. It's actually super, super fun. And then we're on Instagram at whatfreshhellcast and we're on Twitter at WFHpodcast. Thanks for listening. So many places to find us, guys. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. But most importantly, we are on the podcast, which we want you to subscribe to, tell your friends about. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. So long. Bye.